Dear friends in Christ, how content are you? In our text from Hebrews 13, it reminds us that we are to be content with what we have. We do celebrate on this weekend, Labor Day weekend, the 125th anniversary or national yearly tribute that we give to workers and to the contributions that workers have made to the strength and prosperity and well-being of our country. And we know that it takes time, it takes work to provide for those things for ourselves and for others so that we can be content with what we have. And also to provide for ourselves and to provide for others too, at whatever level that is for our lives. And yet as we look around us, we realize that our society, it it tends to direct people toward discontentment and unhappiness. And as we read the newspaper or watch TV, check our phones for online articles, or we listen even to the radio, they always have offers for a better life. If only we had a better home or a better vehicle to drive. If only we felt better and had good health, well then life would be so much better for us, we're told. And in one sense, the feeling of discontentment and being unhappy in life is all around us. We could easily become part of it. To be like those people who so often grumble about it's too hot or it's too cold or it's too dry. We very seldom are content. Well, Paul ends up writing to Timothy in his first letter, and he says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. We're going to learn about how true those words are. God says if we have food and clothing that we would be content with that. And yet we have so much more, don't we? We ought to be content. More content than any generation has lived up to this time. And yet the words of our text are very fitting for us when he says, be content with what you have in Hebrews 13. Right in the middle of our text from that reading, we have our theme, be content with what you have. And we can do that because our Savior never changes. And we, thankfully, as believers, can always change. There was someone who had grumbled and complained against God, the early Christians may have been able to do that. They were faced with a very severe persecution, so much that their property had been taken away from them, even their houses. And yet, what did the writer say to them? He says, God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And even though they didn't have all the extra blessings of earthly possessions, They had the comforting and encouraging fact that the Lord, he was still with them. Now remember these people, they were always connected closely to their past. And their past had included their ancestors who had wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And those people at that time, they believed that even in wandering in the wilderness, God's people would never be forsaken. And when they came to the promised land and they met their enemies, they had never been forsaken. 
once again in these New Testament times as we're reading now, when these people were ridiculed because of their Christian faith by Nero and the Jews and others, they would never be forsaken. In fact, the writer adds, he says, So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Man had done a lot to them. And yet God could and he would do more for them than what man could do against them. He encourages them not to be afraid, even though they might lose all of their possessions. Even though they were driven from their hometowns, God was still with them. That was the encouragement they needed. How did the believers learn of these things? How did they come to that very comforting knowledge that God would never forsake them and that he would always protect them? Well, our text says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. They had come to worship to hear God's word. And they had heard God's word and they believed. And God, by his grace, he worked faith into their hearts. He wants them to remember those leaders. He says, consider the outcome of the way of their life and imitate their faith. Now, if you think of some of the leaders they knew, they had heard and or even knew of the apostles. What was the outcome of their life, of those apostles? Well, hardly any of them faced a natural death. All of them, we are told, except for John, faced a very horrible and untimely death. And yet here he says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. And that word of truth was able to keep them through life. Even though when things all around them, the things that would make life easier had been taken away. Yet they had spiritual life. And they also had eternal life that could never be taken away from them. The word of God. That was the important thing. God's promises were true. And he gives us those very familiar words that we know even today. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He's reminding these people as they look back upon their ancestors who wandered in the wilderness that at that time God had made many promises and he kept them. And now in the present time for these Christians, these believers in Christ, it would be there for them too. God had made any promises and he was keeping them. And so as a result, it would follow that when we look into the future, that the promises God has made, they will be there as well. Because he's the same. He's the same God who is God of their forefathers in that wilderness and in the times in the promised land. He's the same God for their parents and for them in the time that they lived in the New Testament. And he's also the God for the generations after them because Jesus Christ, our Savior, will never change. Our text reminds us that we live in a changing world. And our hope and our confidence, they allow us to be content. Our society moves along with the pace of technology. And it, it changes faster than some of us can adjust, right? The technology age leaves many behind, even. Not just us, but many others. Because it advances so quickly. Sometimes we even say, well, what good is change if it's just to do a change? 
Changing for the sake of change. We say, that's not my thing that I want to do. Sometimes change is for the better. And sometimes we know it's not. And in the end, our comfort, our commitment and contentment and our confidence, we know that everything is changing. And at times we can't even feel lost. But our contentment is the fact that God does not change. We're not lost, but we're found. Listen to the words of the prophet Isaiah. He says, this is what the Lord says, who is Israel's king and redeemer, the Lord Almighty. He says, I'm the first and I'm the last. And apart from me, there is no God. At times, we end up putting confidence in the things that are around us. We might even put confidence and trust in the technology that is there around us or the advice of others. Maybe it's even our own advice that we give to ourselves. And yet we're always brought back to the simple fact that there is no other God except the Lord our God. And as that Lord and God of us, as you and I know him, as we believe in him, we know that he's a loving and forgiving God. And he's also a righteous and just God, too. In our life, we may wander and we may become discontent in this world because there's times when it seems that evil wins more often than good. That's the nature of our earthly life, isn't it? Evil thrives. Sin hangs around until the end of time. But the Lord won't let sin go unpunished. The wicked, they may feel no consequence here on earth for the evil actions and mistreatment of others, but we know that the Lord is just. And those who do not repent, who continue to sin, they will face their eternal judgment if they don't repent and believe in Christ. In the book of Romans, Paul says, but for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. Isn't that a key to being content? The writer here is trying to focus these readers away from themselves and also their self-centeredness. Our Lord, he does the same for us today, too. When we look to God and his unselfish love for us and that eternal grace that he alone can give, that he provides for us, we can be content with what we have. Yes, the Lord promises judgment and justice, but he also provides forgiveness and mercy. And it was the prophet Micah who said, Who is a God like you, God, who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but you delight to show mercy. When we think about that, it's almost beyond our comprehension. You and I, because of our sinful nature, we really don't desire to have that mercy that we would show to others. We would like to harbor hatred and anger at times. We like to get even. We want to get revenge if we can. That's our sinful nature. But God is just the opposite. He loves to show mercy and not stay angry. Our Lord doesn't want to be angry, but he wants to show that love and mercy instead. And we can be content with what we have. And that's having God's love and forgiveness in our lives. So our text continues 
Be content with what you have because our God never changes, but we can always change as believers. I want to remind you, you know, remember that these believers, they were receiving this letter to the Hebrews, and these are people who had their possessions taken away. They were driven out of their hometowns. They had to find new places to live in some cases, now in different towns or even different countries. They had been people who could have been discontent. They could have been dissatisfied with how the Lord was directing their lives at this time. They could have been very depressed over their earthly life now. But our text begins by reminding them that they're not alone and that God is with them. And he also says in verse 1, keep on loving each other as brothers. They're reminded that They had others in the Christian faith going through the same things that they were. And he tells them that they are to be there to encourage them. And also, they could love them back as well. The writer, he expands on that. The next verse, he says, Don't forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. He goes from the love of brothers to entertaining strangers or loving strangers. They wouldn't have to know each person that they were to love because everyone was their neighbor. Anyone can be a stranger, but yet be their neighbor. He says some entertain angels. Do you remember Abraham doing that? He welcomed messengers into his home who were angels. And that's back in Genesis chapter 18. His nephew Lot... He did the same thing. He does that in the next chapter. Welcoming messengers who come to him who turned out to be angels. Our lifetime on earth, for us, is a lifetime of grace. We know that it's a lifetime when we're able to grow in God's grace and to not only appreciate it, but also to be strengthened by it. That undeserved love that he has for us with what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary for us. And as believers, we know that hopefully each day and each generation to come, we change, and we can always change. We can give up those things that trap us. We begin to appreciate instead the things that are truly important. And we can be content with what we have, mainly because of our faith. Yet again, our society... They seem to make it seem that, well, if you're not wealthy and you don't have enough money, you can't be happy. And we fall into that trap. But the Lord says that he knows what we need. In Matthew, Jesus said the pagans, those who believe in one who's not the true God, they run after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows, though, that you need them. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness And all these things will be added to you as well. Each one of us, we have a lot more than food and clothing. We know that there's no reason for us not to be content. And yet, that sinful nature, it's inside of us. We tend to grumble and complain about so many things. And the Lord says to us, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And as we are concerned about that kingdom and righteousness we then become less concerned about the things of this world. We know that we realize that the Lord does provide for what we need. It can be difficult in this world, 
but it's not impossible because the Lord says that we can be content because he doesn't change. And our Lord looks at us and he says, but you as sinners, you can change. We get up in the morning and maybe we make a vow or commitment that day to perhaps live a better life, to try not to sin as much as we did the day before. And yet how soon our evil thoughts are combined with words and maybe even actions. At the day when it ends, we just say to the Lord, Lord, I'm sorry once again for the sins I've committed today. Sins that I know and even the sins that I don't know. Just as we pray in the Lord's Prayer. Well, this is our God who wants us to be able to live with him forever. Ezekiel says, Say to them, as surely as I live, declares the Sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways, he says. He speaks of repentance that you and I know much about. And it's repentance that needs to be preached throughout this world. Why? Because we can change. We can change from being lost and forsaken sinners to be found and saved sinners because we are forgiven people. So as God's people who are changed, let's follow the example of St. Paul. Even as he speaks to the Philippians, he talked about the offering that believers had given and he praised them for it. And he says too, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstance. I can do everything through him, through Jesus who gives me that strength. We can do it because our God is the same. Jesus never changes, but thankfully we can change from discontentment to contentment. Because we have everything through God. He's the one who gives us that strength, strength even to be content in a discontented world. We can be content with what we have because our God who has promised everything, he is faithful. Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God which surpasses all of our understanding Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, who is your Lord and Savior. Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.